Welcome to Doug Doug Goose. Got my my main man Armand right here with me. Yes. Hola. Gonna get hola, gonna get real intergalactic here. Um, it's a planet. So exactly. I mean, how's how's your uh, how's your quarantine doing? How's how's it going? Staying at home. It's good. It's cool. I, I everybody. It's well, the way I look at this. People going through hell, man. And people like us, we have nothing to complain about. I don't care who we are, what we we're we're DJs, and we have a blessed life. And everybody's going through it, man. And we have no reason to have a complaint or to feel any type of down or anything, you know. And that's that's it. So for me, I just stay. I'm in. I'm staying in like a neutral relatively positive area you know i just i i I don't think it's right for me to feel a selfish thought right i just feel right yeah i feel you exactly so knowing you a long time now i I know you're uh an aficionado of fine foods (laughs) we've had many 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 meals together and then i know you know how to spot a good meal and now we're all at home so we're all kind of cooking for ourselves so i know we were talking about doing a little segment where we share some recipes you gotta yeah, cook right you gotta cook something i mean you gotta eat, <laughs> you gotta eat. Exactly. Someone, someone's gotta cook if you gotta eat put the sauce on it so one of the things I've enjoyed with um, getting down in the kitchen is uh, my mom's been sharing some of her recipes with me. You know, you, you know my mom is from Morocco. So some of you know yep. some of those Moroccan recipes have become my go-to's, and it's been it's been fun to like figure out how to get those recipes right because then it it helps me feel like home. So the one recipe that I've been excited about is a, is a beet salad. There's a lot of salads. And all these salads, they just have a ton of cumin. Cumin is insanely good for your health. So in the Egyptian book of living, they talk about black cumin. It's basically, mm. oh, it's called, uh, it's, I mean, a black, it's called uh, black seed oil. Okay. It's, it, it's literally a cure-all. All that part of the world, we're onto something with cumin. Cumin is no joke. The way this recipe goes down is pretty simple. Um, you take three or four beets. You don't even you don't peel the skin off at first. You boil the beets for 45 minutes. So you just chop off like the extra branches or whatever. Put them in boiling boiling water for 45 minutes. When it's done boiling, and it, you'll you'll see when it's done boiling, it actually they, they sort of absorb a lot of the water too. Then you can just peel off the skin. It comes off like nothing. Like you take a knife and just kind of like, just barely graze the knife off the off the beet. Skin comes off, and then you can run um, you can run the beets uh, under some cold water because the salad is meant to be served cold, and it, it's just been boiling for all this time. Bring it colder. Dice up the beets. Throw in some uh, grapeseed oil or canola oil. One of those kinds of oils, like three tablespoons of canola oil. Um, a little bit of red wine vinegar, like maybe two tablespoons of red wine vinegar. Chop up some onion, raw onion, throw that in there. And I think there's something like when you put chopped up raw onion with the vinegar, it's something good that happens with that too. Chop up some parsley, throw in a hell of a lot of cumin, salt and pepper, toss it up and that's it. That's the beet salad. So it's cold. It's good. It's 
it's just simple flavors, but the, the, the beet being kind of sweet, that with the cumin and, and the onion, it's nice. If you want to get a little extra with it, you can throw in either little bits of goat cheese or little bits of feta cheese, break up some walnuts or some um, sunflower seeds, you know, some sort of seed or nut, some sort of cheese that, nice. you know, takes it to another level. <laughs> <laughs> What about you? What you uh, what you got? Oh, let me think. I mean, these days I'm just I'm okay. So I have two things that I am predominantly eat. I'm vegetarian, so that I have to put that out there. That has a lot to do with it. I like um, the veggie burger. You got to get the Beyond Burgers, and it's the one the package with like the two in the package. What my mother showed me this little trick that keeps the the burgers really moist because the veggie burgers can you can dry them out if you overcook them. It's like a whole thing. Uh-huh. But the, you put the top down. In the right there in the skillet, and it covers the burgers, and yeah. it has a little hole for the steam. Yep. And you just you just leave that thing there. The whole you cook it the whole way. That like you need to flip them. To, you know, I'll do the one side, leave it there a few minutes, take it off, flip them, and then put mm. the top. But if you leave that top on the whole time, they're gonna come mm. out that juicy. They're really ah uh, yeah. So that's that's a little trick my mother showed me. By the way, I'm anti microwave, so I don't have a microwave. Yep. I'm a toaster yep. fanatic. So you know you're out of you out of house and everybody's got like this massive stove that you never use because it's like turkeys fit in it. I don't understand why we even still have microwaves. And toll servers are amazing. They're a bit longer than a microwave, but the food quality is outstanding in a toaster oven. So <laughs> I don't understand why there's still microwaves. I, I'm with you, man. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. And then basically, so <laughs> put the buns in there. You know, come on, put the cheese kind of at the very end in the toast of it. Melts nice. I put them on the buns. I don't put them on the burgers because it's a little hard to clock it sometimes with the burgers. Put the cheese on. Uh, you ain't got it right. Oh, I should have. It's not really cooked. I need to flip. It's too late. You put the cheese on. So I put the cheese on the burger. You know, okay. So. Okay. <laughs> and then here's the thing. So the sauce is key in burgers. And then okay. so um, I do a mix. So there's this brand out there called Sir, Kens- Sir Kensington. It's not a big deal. Probably everybody knows it. Whole Foods sells it. But they make really good non-corn syrup style ketchups and their mayonnaises are on point. And so I basically just squirt their ketchup onto the burger, about half of it, and a a scoop like some mayonnaise on it. And when when I smush down (laughs) the buns with the cheese on and the burger, bump it, bump, it's like it's all there. Now, you can get creative. Sometimes I get a little crazy. I'll add like a sliced tomato or put some sprouts on it or some avocado. You can get all wild or some sauteed mushrooms and onions. You can get all crazy. Basic go-to, quickie in and out is just the cheese, the burger, and the the little bit of Sir Kensington's ketchup, little Sir Kensington's mayo. Boom, and it's a wrap. You put the sauce on it. I dig it. So now we're going to do A-Track and I's horoscope. A-Track is an Aries and I'm an Aquarius. So, sure are. And we we get along like two peas in a pot. I'm sure astrology would say maybe we shouldn't, but my sister is a quite is quite the astrologist. You know, her nickname is Miss Clea. By the way, do you know your full chart? Just out of curiosity, do you I know do. like your rising and your... It's all the natal chart. Yeah. And I do know my natal. I don't remember every single planet. So every planet was in a ge- geometrical position when you were born, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then it's like, oh, my, my seventh house is in... The I don't know, if your head pops out of your mother's womb, I mean, not to get technical, but this is something... <laughs> 
as soon as your head, because the womb is a is a anti astrology area. There's no yes. astrology going down in the womb. The planets don't reach there. The planets and the energy of the universe does not penetrate the womb. This yes. is how it looks. The head pops out, even though you're still like halfway out. You're not yeah. out, out. You are now branded with the energy of the universe and the position of the planets. That yep. should determines your personality. So, yep. so here we go. Uh, so this is Atrax horoscope uh, for the week. Mm. Especially in times like these, it can be easy to imagine that real power only takes on violent forms. That real strength is in is that real strength is necessarily brutal, uncaring, and hard. But this week. Remind yourself that things can be different. Your own strength, which is so vital and energized right now, can be combat, com combative, but it can also be constructive. You can lift your voice in anger and you can lift it up in solidarity. Sometimes it's violence that changes the world and builds the future, but sometimes instead, it's bold and blazing love. You get the best horoscopes, my friend. That's pretty good. <laughs> it is good. Well, so so that, that's kind of saying as an Aries, I'm, I'm a fighter. But it's saying I can use my voice to bring people together too. Yeah, and I am in full agreement with that. Because I right. know you well. <laughs> All right, thank you for that. Yeah, and let's check out Armand's Aquarius weekly horoscope. Armand, sometimes it's just so difficult to do the things you know are right. It's difficult to maintain a structure. It's difficult to maintain your sense of generosity. It's difficult to direct your anger only at the people who deserve it when so much seems unfair. It's difficult not to grow numb, difficult not to fall back, no, not to fall into a black hole of boredom, difficult not to convince yourself that this is how things will forever be. This week, be gentle with yourself when things are hard. You can't be perfect all the time, but you're always in motion towards a better future and you truly cannot be stopped. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop, baby. So for Doug Doug Goose, uh, we're bringing in the absolute legend, Todd Terry. We had the pleasure of talking to him. So Armand, I, I know Todd through you, obviously, um, but over time I got to know him a little more. And, I mean. I couldn't believe the stories we got out of him today. You always tell me that Todd's got stories for days. And in fact, I think this might be the first time that we've actually done the full hang of the three of us um, properly. Well, we've done we've done it a couple of times and we would try to wind Todd up into story mode. And he, he, but we never got him, the three of us, the way that we got him. Yeah, we, either one of us, like once somebody would have to leave or had a, an engagement or something. So it was like, right. yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he went into the Jay-Z story, because for those who don't know, Jay-Z's first records came out through Todd's label. We, he went to some stuff that I didn't even know, him DJing for Just Ice, uh, his friend erasing a, a Rakim master tape, uh, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I mean, we should just, let's just get into it and bring, bring in Todd the God. Well, Todd, welcome to Duck, Duck, Goose. Thanks for doing this with us. Duck, Duck, Goose. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm almost the fly on the wall here because you two have so much history. I don't like, I feel like Armand could even kick it off because I'm like, I, well, I mean, I could mention I, the first time that you and I met Todd was uh, when, well, actually, the first time I remember us meeting was on the shoot for, uh, or when, yeah, when we shot the Barbara Streisand video at, our, yeah. at Armand's apartment. I know we also, 
there's I, I have a but we met in a memory. briefly one time, Shine in, in, in New York. Yeah. You hung out there for a brief at a club, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. But um yeah, we 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 hung out properly for the first time when we did Barbara Streisand at Armand's crib. But yeah, I mean, Armand, where do you want to start? I don't even know where to begin with this. I mean, so I mean, I guess I should just let people know. This is an interview with Todd Terry, but you know, I, I think I should state that me and Todd know we know have known each other. I'm gonna say, so kind of when I first moved to New, I moved to New York in 1993 from Boston. Oh, yes, and I met. I kind of started to form a loose relationship with Todd. I'd say by 95, 96. Yeah, easily. Yeah, and then 97, 98, me and Todd would just be on the streets in New York. And it would be no question. All I, I would Todd once a week. Well, I didn't call him. We didn't even, we may not even have each other's number. We were right, just in right. the same spot. We were right into each other. Yeah, we yeah. were just in the same spots. And then every time we'd see each other, it was like we were club fam. We right. were like, oh, so right. like, oh. And Todd would be like, yo, let me get you a drink. I was like, oh, man, I, I got you next time. You know, we just... Yeah. It just oh, that vibe. It was that vibe. I mean, we was at all the clubs. All yeah. the clubs. Like, we just so like, you guys oh, we used to go, where you going next? Yeah, where you going next? <laughs> you going over here. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll meet you over there. I'm going to hang out here for a little while, you know? Yeah. Right. Me and Todd were the only people that, honestly, like, me and Todd are, were in the house music scene. We yeah. had, at that point, been quite successful. We yeah. care less about being in our own scene. Yeah, right. Hip hop clubs, period. Oh yeah, we're more like of Derek Corley's clubs and yeah. like Diamonds and all that stuff. So we would run into places where we go, "Yo, what are you doing here?" Oh yeah, we're going over here. We wasn't like we was in the house scene, but I think we was more in the hip hop scene in a weird way. Like we just didn't. We we were hanging out in the hip. Hanging out, yeah. We just didn't want to be at the house clubs for for me and Todd have a hip hop background, so. I think we were burnt. Like being in a house club for us, I'm assuming, Todd, just a question for you is, did it feel like work? Like in a sense of being, <laughs> you're, it's like when, like I did, sometimes when I was in a house club, I felt like, oh, I'm at work right now. Yeah, yeah. No, no, my problem with house clubs was every time, you know, I walk in a club, I'm hanging out, I'm having a drink. I would get, I don't know, it was like the same dude all the time. You would come up to me and go, yo, man, what's that record playing? And I was like, yo, I'm not a, a, a fucking dictionary, dude. Like, <laughs> what's the matter with you? It seemed like it was the same guy all the time. Yeah. Yo, bro, how you doing, man? What's that What's that conga right there? Like, get, get out of here, son. Like, I don't know what conga that is. Like, yo, it used to bug me out, but that's why I always hung out like, in the different clubs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Out of this. And, I but, what you're saying, work. Yeah, it was just a little annoying. Yeah, it was. I think what it was is we just didn't want to feel like we kind of had a multidimensional thing going. Right. It's like right. we just, just to be to do house every day, then go out to a house club at night. It's like it's open. You know, it's like, right. we, we do like 10 hours in the studio mm-hmm. with this 909 and then right. go, go here more 909. It's more like 909. it's like I want it. I want it. I want it. Pharrell and Timbaland all night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah. Literally, literally, that's all I wanted to hear. Yeah. Too much cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all, all three of us have that thing of, of having one foot in hip hop and one foot in house, right? Like, I think that's something that we have in common. Um, but Armand, if you met Todd around 95, 96, Armand, you already had, I mean, Witch Doctor, you already had a couple records out before yeah. that, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, Gladys so, Pizarro, real quick, Gladys Pizarro is the one who told me about Armand. 
I got this kid that he's coming up with these really dope records, blah, 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 stuff like that. And we was just like, right away, we played Armand's records because they, they just seemed to work. Because yeah, Armand hit those kind of weird sounds and stuff like that. You got to realize that was made it funky. They, he had those, he had all those warped and weird yep. sounds. You know? yep. It matched with all the England weird shit, like warp records and, and um, Joey Beldrum. Yep. It was that side of it. You know, it was like, I didn't always want to play the moody chord side. I, I wasn't, I wasn't a deep house lover, you know. I you right. know, played a chord progression and make those type of records, but I, I like banged out shit. Like, you know, I like it to bang a little bit. So, you know, yeah. Armand had the bang records, you know, with the wolf. <laughs> Still does. So, well, let me say real quick, Everything that I have done, and we got to move off me, is I, you are my number one person I tried to emulate when I first had musical equipment. You are like... Thank you, brother. Thank you. I it was different. It was my people before you, but, but when you came out with Royal House in 1980, yeah. I literally was like, whatever this guy is doing, I'm going to copy and figure this thing out. And I would do that. <laughs> the thing that was the most important change I felt on a music production level that you did with, with Kenny party and, and, um, and, um, party people, uh, party people. Yeah. Party people. <clears throat> right. Well, I'm gonna tell you that story. Go ahead, finish. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're going to get to that. Yeah. Well, anyway, so yeah, basically was the, the, the way Todd uses snares, <clears throat> it was like a Latin freestyle snare. Thing. Yeah. Freestyle. Yep. It was like, yep. And it was a combination of like this freestyle snare, like Latin snare thing that nobody in Chicago or New York was had even thought. Of. And it changed. It wasn't from that world. How was he supposed to know that? You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so, so go ahead. Um, mm. So I'm going to do. If it's okay. Actually, I want to do one question. Yeah, yeah. go for it. Like I think this is the one because we we can't talk about us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hold on one second, because this one it's right and we're right where we need to be with the. Okay, yeah, can you give us a background on your hip-hop and freestyle productions? You know, basically like Sleeping Bag, Fresh Records, Mantronics, Giggles, Coral, EPMD, Just Ice, that thing. Like, can you give us, like, what was the rundown? How did you get, how did you meet these people? How did you even get involved with all this? All right, well, I come from more of the hip-hop funk thing. That's how I started. I started what is cutting up breakbeats, you know, Toys in the Attic, and um, Ain't We Funky Now?, John Davis, I Can't Stop, you know, Daisy Lady. I come from that world of just cutting up beats and breaks because that's where my neighborhood, um, uh, my, I, my big DJ was Larry D in my neighborhood. I used to go to his basement all the time to learn how to cut records back and forth. So I come from that world and, and I got into hip hop. I try to make my own group. We, was, we wanted to be like Run DMC. Like that's where, that's where I come from, that whole world there. And I used to go in the studio, Power Play Studios, and that's how I met, you know, Rakim and all of them, Spider D, KRS-One. Like, we all came from kind of the mm. same studio, the same world, you know. And um, from that world, I couldn't get a record deal. <clears throat> so what I did was I, my friend of mine, this guy named Manny Garcia, he brought me this, these artists that were freestyle artists. You know, they was like, girl, you are the one. You know, they just they had all that out to them, all that. And I just started doing freestyle records, and I got record deals. Yeah. So that was, that's how I got into the formula of that. And just to go through it real quick, so getting into um, House, my friend, this guy on tracks, and, and Mike Delgado used to hang out with me, and we we done records first, and Tracks came in with this cassette one time, and he's putting the cassette in my house. 
And he's dancing around doing like the Webo dance and shit like that. Yo, you got to do shit like this. You got to do shit like this. And I'm like, yo, kind of sounds like the same beat. I don't really get it. It don't have no beat to it. You know what I'm saying? He goes, no, try to do a couple of these. So the next, uh, next week or so, I said, yo, come back. I want to play you something. So I came back. Next week he came back. The first record I did was Party People. Wow. He really listened to Party People. I was joking around. I was just trying to say <laughs> fuck you to him. You know what I'm saying? But what happens is it's like you hear it's like pop, 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 party. People. I was joking. Dancing <laughs> in the house going crazy. Like, yo, this is going to be the biggest shit ever. And I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, I didn't really know what was going on. You know? So, I, so it's funny when people say, yo, I want to imitate what you did before. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just yeah. playing around with the pattern of house. Yeah. You know, just come into this, then come into that, then come into this, and then go to that, mm. you know, and do this snare mm. roll. So I was just kind of messing around with the patterns of it because I come from hip hop, where that would be a verse, mm. be a, you know, a bridge, that would be the breakdown, that would be the chorus, you know, this would be the ending chant, something like that. So I was yeah. kind of arranging which, as a song. which drum machine, which drum machine were you my using first, on? My, well, my first drum machine was a DR55, which sounded really horrible. It had like hums in it and everything like that. So I would try to. Is that a Yamaha? What's up? Is that a Yamaha? Yeah, Yamaha DR55. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't really get the records to sound right out of them. And then so I got an RZ, Casio RZ1. Okay. Four pads where you could sample in it. So it would be yeah, yeah, yeah. a sample of the kick, the snare, the hi hat, and the little hi hat. On the Casio keyboard? Yeah, no, it was a Casio drum machine. Yeah, I know that. I know that. One, yeah, and then I had the Casio um, 101. Yeah. Whatever that was. And that was my keyboards. Yeah, yeah. Because those are the only shit you could afford back in the yeah. day. Like, but they were like, they're all little kid. Little kid things. Like, you know, like the drum machines are small and the keyboards, like, I'm going to be like this. <laughs> like, with two fingers thrown for it, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's all the money I had. You know, I used to work in a supermarket. And run home, you know, and see how much I saved up. Like, yo, okay, I got like 250. Get in my shit. I'm getting my shit. Watch. You know, my whole neighborhood's like, you ain't gonna be shit, niggas. <laughs> Bullshit. You're full of shit. I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna make it, bro. Watch, you know. Just give me that 40. You know, we start drinking 40. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that life, you know, it's just the whole street thing. You know, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I come from. So the swagger is just like a different way that people may see it. You know, everybody see it now is all. Black and crazy like that. And we had black, white, Filipino, Spanish, all types of peoples in our neighborhood. So we just had a hood thing going on. It was just, yeah. that was our way of life. You know, we didn't discriminate against anybody. You know, we just was having fun. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, the, story. So, so the, um, so yeah. So what was kind of, I, I, I have a, a story I remember speaking with you on, like, we were, you know, we played music videos at my house. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's been around for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, played, I love that. that was I played this song, Inspector Gadget. Now, oh, this yeah. Gotta be 1985, 86. Yeah. Like and it's a rap record to Inspector Gadget. What, what's the name? Do you, uh, I, I don't Bad remember. Boys, Inspector Gadget, they called it. Yeah. What was it called? It's from um, the name of the group is Bad Boys. So it's Bad Boys, called, exactly. It's this rap record. It's quite rare, actually. And it's, uh, there's actually a music video to it. Yeah. And and I didn't know, and I'm playing it for Todd. Yeah. And Todd's like, I made that record. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't make the whole record, but I did. The, I played the melody. And I know, I know. The whole record was, that's the true. Intro was old Veronica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. It's true that he Wait a minute, you said, oh, Veronica, what would you just say? Oh, Veronica, Veronica. I did, yeah. you know, I did that. You I did, did that research. The what? I didn't know you made that. 
I did MC Search back in the days. I worked with um, um, Houdini, Dynasty and Mimi, Jungle Brothers. Oh. Of course, I used to be in Tony D's basement just doing all the melodies and the beats. Uh. Like I said, I couldn't get really a rap deal. I was just kind of doing a lot of the rap beats and all. I was just in the mix with them, you know, stuff like that. I didn't get my records out until later, you know, but um, I did a lot of those records. So in a sense, you had, you, they were, like, people were hitting you up from that world to be like, yo, get Todd, bring Todd in. Right. And I come in and I play a keyboard or do a beat real quick and I leave. And didn't think about a contract or nothing or a publisher or nothing. Just was glad to do it. You know, just, I did that. And I go back and tell my neighborhood, yeah, I just worked with Houdini. You know, that's my record. He says, I didn't hear a record. I said, no, seriously, I was in the studio with them. Yeah, right, man. (laughs) Now you know know she gave me too, right? You know, I was like, they just, (laughs) my neighborhood killed me. That's what they, that's what made me strong. You need, you need people sometimes to not be a yes man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, you suck, son. Yeah. Well, so what's what's your what's your neighborhood? Where, where'd you uh, grow up? Wayne Beach, Coney Island. Coney Island. Right. Coney Island. Yep, that's where I came from. Oh, okay. One in so, Utica Avenue. When then I went to Coney Island and then Brighton Beach. Got Brighton it. Beach. Yeah. And what, what what was the vibe like there? Like I said, it was all types of. We was all cultures there. You know, Filipino, Spanish. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's there. Black, Spanish. You know, Chinese. We just had a weird like intellect. You know, we had a weird click. Russian. You know, that was a little Russia. Mm-hmm. Like being on Astoria Boulevard, kind of like yeah, this. yeah. It's just like everybody, right? Everybody was just chilling, you know. It was, right. it was, you know, back then it was just it didn't feel like there was any racism shit. Like it didn't feel like it, you know. What I'm saying you would notice it, but it would just not be strong like that in your neighborhoods because you guys click together. You're all poor. You all start at the same level, you know. Yeah. Right. Each other. Nobody had more money than each other. We was all yeah. poor, just doing it, just hanging out having a good old time with each other. So sometimes it's just like, you know, you know, you know, there's a lot of racism shit going on now, but I don't know, just, I didn't feel it at that particular time back then. Got it. That's interesting. So you were going to these studio sessions with rap groups, with Houdini and stuff that I'm sure that gave you uh, a sense of how things work in the studio. And then when you started making these house tracks uh, at home, kind of joking around, like you said, Did you need to go to a studio at all to make house records? Or, no, or were I, I you making, the... making records in my house, but I would love to go to the studio, of course, and, you know, tweak it up or have, have a good engineer mix yeah. it. You know, like that's yeah. what I, always, I was always looking for. Like one of my, I had some of the, the great engineers, Nordy Cotto, uh, Doc Ivan Rodriguez. Wow. Oh, dope. Eli Tuobo, you know, I, um, Patrick Adams. I had the dopest. Wow. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Pete Warner that did all the D-Train stuff at Sound Lab Studios. Wow. I, worked, I definitely worked with the best back then. You know, that was my whole thing. I would save up money and I had to go to that studio and work with this guy because I would read, we used to read the credits on, on you know, that was a whole big thing. Look at all the credits of the record. Like, I got to work with that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes the best snare drum. You know, like yeah, that's yeah. how you think. You know, <laughs> you pay five hundred dollars for a snare drum. You yeah, yeah. that sound. You know, yeah. Eddie S too, right? Eddie, Eddie S. S. Yeah, Eddie S. Started with me. He started. He used to be my um, assistant engineer. I used to work with Mike Rogers in D and D, and I put Eddie S. on to D with DJ Premier. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And Premier started working at D and D with with me because because of me because Premier used to. If you listen to Premier, goes, yo, that's your snare drum. So Premier would take my snares and just tone them down. So they would have that, they would have that. Well, that that's that's Premier's, that's one of the snares from some record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Premier, told, uh, Premier told me that 
I, um, I asked him where he sampled the drums for group home live proof because yeah. they, they have like a different knock yeah. than the usual break beats you would sample. And he, he told me he sampled those off a house record. He wouldn't yeah, tell me yeah. which one. Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> I tell you it was me. You better tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew all Damn, those guys man. back then. For me, you know, we, we, go, we go way back, like to the beginning, you know. He was yeah. in the studio every night. Every night he was in that studio. I mean, I, I think that's what that, that's that's what's interesting to to you know anyone watching this nowadays is that you know all of these scenes have grown so much hip-hop became the biggest genre in the world house music turned into edm or whatever people want to call it where it's a whole industry in itself and i think for people nowadays it's hard to actually remember or imagine that in you guys' days everybody was in the same studios or rubbing shoulders or hanging out it was actually the same scene yeah, I mean, they, they, we used to see all these guys all the time, regularly. So, you know, I ran, I ran into Biggie. Well, you, who runs into Biggie? You right. know, in a club, like, yo, what up, nigga? What's going on? You know, that's, it's, that's what it was. You know what I'm saying? KRS-1, right. all of them, you know, you know it's, this is where I came from. So it's like, it's nothing to me when you see this LL be a star. I almost got into a fight with Mike Tyson. Like, you want to tell us about that? Dude, that's, that's, no, I'll tell you that story. This is a funny story real quick. <laughs> 1018. I'm trying to go through the. I was hanging out with um with Jam Master J because me and Jam Master J was trying to bang the girls from Sweet Sensation. Like that was it. That was in our head, you know. Yo, yeah. By the way, the 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 main the main the singer from Sweet Sensation was, yeah. uh, was gorgeous. Bang it, yo. The main the main girl. Walk with it, clear the damn the whole floor. You're like, oh shit, here she come. Everybody move out the way. Yo, shit is crazy. <laughs> But um, well, real quick, so you know, me and Jay was hanging out. So I decided to go to the, up to the VIP. So Jam Master Jay stood down by the bar, or whatever. And I went up to the VIP. I said, what's up to Vito Bruno, which used to own the club with Roman Ricardo. Yeah. So I'm in the VIP. I'm hanging out, blah, 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 you know, talking to my friends and everything like that. So Mike Tyson's coming up. And I'm like, oh, shit, Mike Tyson's coming up. I'm just, you know, just going to say what's up to him. So I'm going, and they're walking towards me. So I go to say what's up to Mike. And his goons blocked me like these two seven foot gorillas. It was just all gorilla. And it was like, yo, boo boo. I said, yo, I'm just saying what's up to Mike. So then Mike walked by, so I tapped him on the shoulder. So they, they started rumbling with me. So the big giant gorillas picked me up in the air and moved me like, like, a, like, a, like a domino. <laughs> and I was just like, you lucky that I'm new, dude. I'm up there popping shit. They're this high. I'm like, yeah, you lucky that I'm not new, dude. They would have beat the living hell out of me, but they, that was the Mike Tyson story. You know what I'm saying? It was bad. But did you know Mike? No, I, I, I never ran into him after that. I saw him once at um, uh, North, was it not Northmore? It was another club that we went to. Oh man, I can't remember. Fifty Fifth Street in Manhattan, and it was called Latin. It was the Latin Quarter back in the of day. Of course. Yeah, LL was performing. Uh, Roseland, though. No, not Roseland. It was Fifty Fifth Street, I think, the Latin Quarter. 50 fish, somewhere around there, yeah, somewhere around between uh, six and seven for something like that, Avenue America and seven. And um, yeah, I ran into LL there uh, and um, you know, said what's up to him. And then um, yeah, Tyson was outside or whatever. And I don't know if LL and Tyson was getting along at that time or whatever, but they was popping shit. So LL performed that night. Then I, I saw, like in court, I saw Biz Markey perform with Roxanne Chate. I saw Eric B and Rakim at the first, they had one of their first gigs. But get, check this out. Uh, Rakim didn't show up. <laughs> so one of um, Eric B's boys was rapping, whatever, saying the rhymes. And yeah, yeah. 
Yo, that's not Raquel. <laughs> I came in the door, I said it before. And it sounded really doofy with it. I'm never going to let the law I'm going to let the time no more. And it sounded really doofy. We was like, yo, that's not him. Yo, get out of here. Boo, boo. He was screaming at us. It was bad funny, yo. So, yeah, I go, I go, I got tons of those stories. Well, by the way, the Rock Kim story, I, it, the, do you want to, you told me a crazy Rock Kim story. Oh, oh, yeah. I could bring that up too. That, well, that, that, that's, that was a key one. So let me, let me give, give you some real history. So, this the is Follow the Leader album. Um, yep. track. Remember the Follow the Leader album? For sure. All right. You remember how that album sounded? It didn't sound as good as their other work? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My boy erased <laughs> their master. Oh, shit. Okay. Now, here's the story. So, we're in Power Play Studios. Yeah. And, and, and sorry, but um, by the way, that didn't, L- Large Pro did a lot of the production. Yeah, yeah, everybody right? was there. Spider D, everybody worked at, um, at okay. Power Play. So I'm in room A, and uh, Rakim and, and, and Eric used to work in room B. Okay. So I'm in room A, but I'm with my boy, um, uh, Grand. This guy used to do this, did this album with me called A Chaos. This guy, Grand, and this other guy named Raymond, one of my boys from my neighborhood. This is true story, true fact. So in the studio, we're playing around, making records, stuff like that. So Raymond and my boy, they said, yo, we're going to go outside and just go hang out by the couches and stuff like that. I said, yeah, go do your shit. I'm going to be in here with, with Naughty working on some shit, blah, blah, blah. So next thing you know, like 15, 20 minutes later, I hear rumbling. My boy comes in, he goes, yo, they beat up Raymond. And I'm like, they beat up Raymond. And all of a sudden, he disappears. Grand just mm-hmm. disappears. I come outside, I'm like, yo, what if... Like Raymond's on the couch with a knot on his head, a, a fucking knot, and it had yo. Yeah. I swear to God, it was a knot, but it, you know the rings that Eric B used to remember? Yeah. It had the ring print in the, in the oh, knot. Man. <laughs> I'm looking at yo. What what happened? What going on? Yo, man, they beat me here because I was in the tape room, and I was like, what? You was in the what? I was in the tape room, and so we made a mistake, and da 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 da. And the end, um, the guy who used to work there at that time came to me, goes, yo. They was in the tape room and they must have sat on a machine and they erased the master. And I'm wow. Like, what are you talking about? He says, they must, they must, I don't know why they went in that room. So my boy went in that room just to, to have a smoke or something. Yeah. That room had good air conditioner. It was like a tape room with two Atari, MTO, MTO, what's Atari's? The half inch Atari's. Yeah, yeah. And two of those <laughs> shit. So they was recording one tape to the other tape. And my boy must have leaned up against the machine and he stopped it. So wow. what he did was, when he stopped it, my boy went back, he says, yo, man, what are you doing? He must have stopped one of their recordings. He says, I'm just gonna press, and he pressed record. Mm. And he raised half of the master of that album. So they had wow. to master that album from like a cassette or some shit like that. That's why it sounds like that. Wow. So I can, so, so right now, so my boy has the knots on his head. So right now, Power Player had another studio down the block. So now I'm going down all the block, down the block, thinking I'm tough, like I'm going to go beat up Eric B or whatever. I don't know what I was thinking. So I go down the block and I run into, I run into my boy Freddie Fox. Freddie Fox was like another one they used to hang out with. Him. He goes, "Yo, what happened?" And I say, "Yo, what the fuck happened with Eric? Why you beat up my boy?" He says, "Yo, you know what the fuck happened and shit like that. Yo, you would have done the same thing, son. Like blah blah blah. You don't want to go and make this shit worse and stuff like that." I say, "Yeah, you." You're probably right. <laughs> oh, the first thing I thought about was Eric's ring hit me in my head. I was like, nah, fuck that. Freddie <laughs> Fox, you know Fox, Fox can box. That's a crazy story. Yeah, so that, that's, that was, wow. that's a crazy story, story, y'all. That's the real story. Yeah, and you knew Just Ice, too, as well, right? You had a, you Just had Ice. Story. I got a story of Just Ice. So 
I'm trying to go through all these stories fast because we'll be here for like 10 hours if I keep going. <laughs> so Justin, we was, I, my first tour to London was, I went to go play at the WAG as a, a world-known club up there. It was five floors of different music. It was by Chinatown in Soho. And we was out there, it was me, Teela Rock, uh, Mantronics, they try got the Mantronics shirt on. Yeah. You know I love Mantronics. Yo, first. yeah, we was killing it back then. So my first time going to um, London, um, I played in this club called The Wag. So it was me, Just Ice, Tila Rock, Mantronics, and we did this like this tour of like five mm. different clubs, like The Wag, The Fridge, Brixton Academy, and whatever else. So real quick, the quick story with Just Ice. I was, I was this is Royal House. As huh? Royal House, right? As Royal House. No, no, I was Todd Terry Project. I was on this was sleeping bag. Got it. Sleeping bag. The Batmobile. Got it. It was all people on sleeping bag and fresh records at the time. So I um but I was Teela Rock's DJ and Just Ice DJ. Wow. They said, yeah, they was like, it was like, yo, so you gonna you cut up the records for us while we perform, because it makes sense, because Mantronics didn't want to do it. Mantronics <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to do his own thing. You know, that's how that's how Curtis is. He's, he's crazy like that. So um we're walking in the club, and mind you, um Wag had this this staircase, like the small staircase to get up. All the London flats have these small staircases to get up to the stairs. Mm-hmm. So um I'm walking up with Just Ice, and Just Ice is walking first, and we're coming up the stairs, and there was some dude standing there, some dude told Just Ice, yo, you need to watch where you're going. Okay. And I, here we go. <laughs> here we go. So, so we're walking. So Justice said, well, you said to me, man. You know, because Justice goes into Jamaican when he gets mad. He just turns around. And yo, the dude was talking, and within a half a second, Justice hit him, and he just rolled down the stairs. And we just <laughs> kind of like stepped over him. It's like, and the other guys just all backed off. It was like everybody created a scene while Justice would have. And Justice went right up to the stage, grabbed the mic, and said, "None of you England niggas better fuck with me." <laughs> Y'all just grabbed the mic and said that. Took the DJ off and everything like that, and just said, "Put my beat on." And just started his own show. No rain, no no rain, but nothing. Just went right to the stage. Ripped off all the music and did his show. So that wow. was some craziness. Oh, wow. not, not to play with. Not to play with. Man. The original gangster hip hop, right? Not to play with. That's crazy. crazy. Really. Wow. So yeah. when you were going overseas, so you went overseas with rap groups before before going out there for uh, as a house DJ, or was it all? No, I was a house DJ too. I bango. Was, okay, Bango. Uh, a big record out there. So that's okay. why I was on the tour. It was because of um, Bango. And then we right. came out like two weeks later after that. So I, I, I mount, that was my, you know, that was the real, like, oh, I could do this for a living. Like, right. I could, I could rock, you know what I'm saying? So, so if you were going overseas um, to DJ in those years, how many crates did you bring with you? Oh, see, back then, see, I used to outsmart myself. So back then, you got to realize it was only half-hour sets. Okay, wow. Really? 35-minute sets. You would just pay for like 35, 40 minutes, and that's it. You wouldn't play for three and four hours at that particular time. When I was doing a sleeping bag tour, it was just more like 40 minutes just in between whoever's got to come up next, in between electronics or whatever like that. So that's what... Okay, so, so for those kinds of... Bag records, and I just flipped to the B-side. 
<laughs> I just had a flip thing. You know, I'm going to play that, and I'm going to play that. So I wouldn't buy records unless they had two dope records. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, see, I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, you had one dope record, I wouldn't buy that record. I would buy the record that had one dope record and another dope B-side. I'm like, yo, what's that? I was like, that's the B-side to the Marshall Jefferson shit. That's you understand? Good. So that's, that was my, my, my way of thinking. Then after a while, you know, three, two years later or whatever, I'm carrying around three crates of records with a road manager and publicist, and I'm spending all my money on being a star. Yeah. Um, Did you know other DJs who were going, traveling at the seas at the, overseas at the time, or was it, was it all new? Um, it was basically, I guess, probably like, it was me, um, Dave Morales, Frankie Knuckles, uh, Shit, um, it was a couple of us, but not a lot of us at the, the first particular time. You know, okay. like, Omar, I saw you out there like two years ago. You would tell people after the, the, that rap tour when, I, when you were just being booked as Todd Terry as the DJ, like, and they wanted like, you know, the two, three hour set from Todd Terry, that first kind of area. Like an example with me, when I told, let's say like, I would go home to like my grandmother's house and be with aunts and uncles and they'd be like, oh, where? Oh, they're like, how you been? I was like, oh, I just got back from Germany. You know, they're like, why are you in Germany? I was like, I was, like, D- I was DJing, you know? And then they go, why are you, why do you have to DJ in Germany? Don't they have their own DJs? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, they do, but they want me as like a special DJ because of my music and they want me, they're like, I, I don't get it. They're like, they pay, they pay you for that? And I'm like, yeah, they, they pay. And they're like, well, where do you stay? Like, they, they put me, they put you in a hotel? I'm like, actually, they fly me business class. They're like, they're right. out now at this point. Yeah. Was that the yeah. same for you? Like, when you first started? Like, it's like... Uh, it, dude, I was, I was in coach for a long time. <laughs> I thought about business class because I was looking at the, the budget of what, you know, like I realized my budgets to start back then was 2500 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it still, was it something crazy when you came home and explained that to somebody? You're like, I just came back from the UK. They're like, because they wanted me to DJ. When you first told somebody that, was it weird or was it? What was no, it? I told my sister. My sister's like, oh, really? So you go out there, blah, blah, blah. She goes, so why don't see you hanging out with Whitney Houston? <laughs> 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 I was like, no, because I'm doing a different type of music. I'm doing like the house dance music. But don't, don't get me wrong. My sister was up on funk and soul because she put me up on Roy Ayers, and Quincy Jones. She's the one that put, used to be blasting shit out of her room. She's the one that put me up on that. And I found yeah. out about James Brown and stuff like that. So we yeah. definitely used to kick it with the funk and soul thing. But when it got it, when, the, when shit, um, when stuff started to really pop, she always wanted me to be a pop star and sing with Whitney Houston. I told her, I can't sing <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you should do a duet with her. You should do You could sing. I taught you how to sing. I said, like, Rhonda, I know how to sing two church records. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't sing with Whitney Houston. Like, that's too well, you know, <laughs> craziness, bro. This that's fine. Yeah, it was funny to her. She couldn't really figure it out. She says, they need to pay you more. And I was like, yeah, they give me three thousand dollars. That's a lot of money, you know. Back then, that's like a lot of money. She's like, "Oh, you need to get like thirty-five thousand dollars and be well, hanging out with me." Well, people should know too that you eventually ended up being—I know this for a fact—because I was yeah. Todd ended up being the highest-paid DJ on the earth. Yes, I did invent that. I definitely did invent that. His nickname, yeah, Todd is God. 
<laughs> Basically, people need to know this because I, I was around in this era and it was all true. Like, Todd was just destroying it. He couldn't do a bad record. It was just like, Todd was, Todd, look at this way. This is something that all DJs need to know this, especially in, in dance music, especially in dance music, is that, I mean, even in rap music, in any DJ, every, all DJs should know this. Todd is like, almost like a Jules Irving, a Julius mm-hmm. Irving, or like something where he took the craft and maximized it for the benefit of the artists. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, so Todd was like, used leverage as, at a slow rate, but Todd was very business savvy and people need to know this. And he took... $3,500 and turned it to $35,000 right. in three years time. You see what I'm saying? It's very important that he, so I came along all these people and we're getting like, basically Todd did all the work in the beginning to get right. the, to get, to get everybody to get, no, that's true. I, I definitely thought of what I figured out one day and I figured this out from Ministry of Sound. I walked, uh, they was cutting deals for me to do five dates or something like that. It was me, me Lynn Cosgrave, Cosgrove and we and I sat down with her and I I had like a little notebook and I I, I added it up for her. I said look you got thirty six hundred people coming in here wow and you want to pay me at that time they wanted to pay me five grand or whatever like that thirty six hundred people it's it was at forty pounds yeah you know so I started doing the numbers and I, I wrote down the numbers I said wait a minute you paid me five grand but you guys are making like sixty blah 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 I said I want I want like half that. <laughs> she was like, what are you saying? I said, yo, I want at least $20,000 a gig. You're making all this money because I'm playing here. Yeah. If I don't play here, you don't get the 3,600 people night. And she was like, well, I don't know if you want to bring that up with James. I said, I'm definitely bringing it up to James. Let's go there right now. So she was scared to approach him because he was like all high mafia England shit. You know, I don't right. like all that mafia shit. So I walked in there and said, yo, you gotta pay me more for this shit. Like I did 60 gigs for you at five grand. That's not gonna happen no more. These shits are going up to 20 grand. He was like, oh, what, what do you think? You're making all this type of money? that I showed him the numbers. <laughs> he goes, oh, so, you know, now you expect to go. I said, dude, you know, we, we cut a deal like this, so I'm not doing it no more. And so I, that's actually- weeks. And he says, so what's Yeah, okay. So that's one of the things I wanted to ask you though is, how did you learn about the business? Because you were mentioning earlier that you were, you know, early on, you were in studio sessions, doing stuff uncredited, not getting publishing. Did, did you figure it out for yourself along the way? Or did, was there someone that was kind of a mentor for that? Or? Yeah, the guy that was the mentor for that was my lawyer at the time. His name was Alan Skeener. I know, yeah, remember Alan Skeener, right? So I got, a, um, I got offered a, a publishing deal with Jive Records. Okay. And it was for like 250 grand. At that time, I was ecstatic about it and stuff like that. And I went in to, to tell him about it and explain to him and all that. And he goes, and I started explaining to him what I was getting for records and stuff like that. He goes, what are you doing? And I was like, well, they gave me 500 for this record. And then I got another uh, 4,000 and I brought my Mercedes. And I'm explaining to him all this hood shit the way I was thinking. He was like, you're going to stop what you're doing. Huh. They're going to f- set you up the right way. And he started explaining to me, publishing 120, 100% to 125%. I was like, what? He says, you lost money. You're supposed to get 30 grand for that record. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he, I didn't really get it. So he explained uh-huh. to me in piece by piece by piece. And when he broke that down to me, then I was mad because I did that now. These, 
Now these motherfuckers jerk me. So now I wanted to go back and beat the shit out of like all Easy Street and all these record labels. I was angry. I said, yo, you jerk me, man. You're supposed to give me this blood and everything. So the whole, I changed the whole game after that. Like now I wanted more money and I was going to get more money because now I understood the business. Like I didn't, I was doing it for fun, man. I just wanted to bring money home to my mom's. Say, yo, here's $500. My mom to look at me like I was in some regular knucklehead. You know what I'm saying? So that's... (laughs) In family, you just try to please family sometimes. You know, you're just like, Ma, I'm doing it for you, Ma. We're going to buy a house. We're going to be all right, Ma. You know, it's the biggest thing. You know, we're going to get out of this house, you know. Yeah. Like this the more. We're going to have what we need. So that's that's how I was looking at it, you know. But I learned a lot fast. Yeah. You gave me advice in my Definitely. I told you. I told you a lot of things. Because Todd, we would hang in our first kind of, early hangs and I'll never forget it. I never, still never forgot it to this day because Todd would hear something about, Todd would always be like, like, yo, that record you did for Johnny D, that Tori Amos thing, like, what'd he give you? <laughs> <laughs> like, like 10 grand? He's like, man, you got done. You got done. <laughs> <laughs> no, Todd would all, you know, so me, me and Todd had that kind of relationship and, and something like, Todd would ask me something else. He's like, yo, and I was like, well, I got this. He's like, yo, Take the money and run, man. Take it all up front. It's like, so I'll never forget that. Todd was like, get as much as you can in one big shot because waiting for somebody to pay you, like, oh, when you you gonna get two thirds in a year from now. He's like, Todd's like, don't just get everything now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but then then you took it to the next level. So I'm I'm reasonable. Yeah. My mom's not reasonable. My mom's not reasonable. Yo, so I, you know, I would get like um, 15 or 20 for a mix. My mom would go in for 60 <laughs> and, and then get right near it. And I'm like, how'd you do that? I just asked for it. <laughs> what? <laughs> how did you do that? So that I learned oh, the, craft, I told you. the craft I learned from you. you yeah. Know, in terms of the, 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 the concept of the, the leverage aspect and the, the loose way, it was really simple. You had a hot record in the streets. Todd, Todd was there. I was there. Yeah. If you got a hot record in the streets, then the remix train would get wound up. Yeah. And you, you would just say something crazy. Something you, start, crazy. you started something crazy. And then all of a sudden, the reply back, back then it was still on the phone, they'd be like, okay. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, I, I didn't know. Like, you know. It's, yeah, you know again, so, again. You, at a certain point, you definitely was the highest paid remixer. Without, I'm talking Morales, about Morales, I think Mor- Morales is always going to be. Morales was close, was close, but you was like right on the top because they, you had such hot shit that they, 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 I know they must have went back and went, damn, really? 50 grand? <laughs> well, well, there, are two, right. there, was, there was one time I turned down a hundred for a guy in Germany. Really? Yeah, I just, I was like, you know what? I don't really like the song. What? I know. I'm calling right now. <laughs> I'm not making it up. Not, but this ain't about me. So let's get back to no, the whole, uh, Just on this point, though, <clears throat> my favorite thing with Armand is like, if I'm, if I'm like at a record store and they have like the dollar bin hip hop section where yeah. there's like just random rap singles from the 90s, I love finding like some bad boy single and have an Armand remix on the B side and be like, I didn't know Armand did this. Like, right, just, right, 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 right. I'm sure that Armand, you might even forget some of the remixes you did. I, by, I, by, I, by the way, and that's that's a thing. And I'm sure Todd, Todd's done <clears throat> a slew of remix. I'm sure me and Todd can both vouch for somebody 
coming up to us or, or showing us a record and we're like, wait a minute, I did that record? <laughs> right? It has, right? Yeah, no, they, all the time, like people show up to the shows and like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like this German copy of this B-side, which yeah. I, I, you know, probably just forgot in the mix of everything, you know. Yeah, but like, how, about just, how about the remix? Like, let's say like somebody comes up and it's like some record, Remix and it says Todd Terry remix and you look at it and you must be like I don't even remember that. Thing. I don't remember that. I went yeah. to a lot of those really. It's definitely happened to me. So. Oh no! Look, I my my trick to remixes I would make a, a dope beat like one beat and I would use it for like seven records the same beat. <laughs> that that, that <laughs> no no it's true it's true fact let's let's go through it if you really think about it Bango yep. Game Party yep. all those records are the same beat. I know that. Take a good beat yeah. and rock it because if it's going to work, it's going to keep on working. Well, you know what? That <laughs> is very, that's very West Indian. It's very Jamaican. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's like a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. It's the rhythm. Like you found yeah, the rhythm. It's, it's, it's the rhythm. That that people rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. We got six months of that rhythm. So that's crazy. But Todd, you're saying that as if, as if you were sort of, cheating but that became a signature right like you're known yeah. for your beats people wanted to have your beats yeah exactly look look how many um i mean the missing record um i you know i use that beat because that's all they wanted to you know i used to get calls from the a and guy they're like well we want something like we want something that's like you know something that has a little s's i said you want missing right because yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like all right man i've been i tell my, my my engineer bill clad i go um, just pull up the same snare drum. <laughs> number sixty-five, and they use number twelve for this. And, yeah, you know that's what they. You know they get used to that. And they hear it on the radio, and they want the same thing. You know, pay the same amount of money. Yeah, and that's just the way it is. It just they fall in. You know, that's why I hate A and R's. I don't like A and R people. It's like you. I don't need you to tell me to make my hi hat tire tighter. I don't need you. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're hiring me. You should hire me for my expertise in this particular field, whether it comes out fucked up or not, roll with it. Sometimes making something a little fucked up is a style. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's well, a choice. You yeah. Know, un- 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 it's you know, is yeah. like, you so gotta roll with it sometimes. better make it, make it come become new. We, we, I think we're stuck, like hip hop right now, I think we're stuck in, we're stuck in the 808 world. Like we can't even get out of it. Like it's, it's yeah. very strange to me after hearing, you know, Nas to Biggie, to LL, to Method Man. Wu-Tang. It's like, yeah. it's Wu-Tang. I, I want Wu-Tang drums tomorrow. Like, I, yes. come on, back. I need, I need to boom back. back. By the way, Todd, you are speaking my religion. I've literally said this for the, probably since the, uh, 2010. I've literally been like, uh, we got the, we got the 808, retro 808. We, I got it. We all got it. Yeah. Ready for premiere drums again, please. So, I mean, the thing, although, guys, there's I could play you, there's records that are, that, that are in that style. It's just that you might not hear them in a car riding down the street, or you might not hear them. They're out there, yeah. yeah. But we, they need more radio, they need some more, you know, they need to be out yeah. there a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, so, I've, I've been, I've been, we've both been speaking to everybody. I mean, yeah. that's. It's funny because me and Todd are kind of from, we grew up with the 808 with Planet Rock. So, of course, already for us, 808 has come back three times, let's say. And <laughs> the first time, but this third time is like, like I was, 
when, after when Luke Skywalker was doing the 808, I was already, I was way done with the 808. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm good. Because, yeah. like, you know, the Rock Kim, like the, the, the SP 1200 sound, yeah, 86, just it shut down the 808. You know, nobody used 808 anymore except for Luke. And Luke, <laughs> for Luke. never stopped using the 808. And then, then Jermaine Dupree started using it again, yeah, like, like, like the 90s. Uh, and, sure. And then it all of a sudden, 808 was back, you know, and it's like, how are we here? I'm like, and it was fine. It sounded good again. But then it was, yeah. we're like 15, like, no, 15 years into retro 808. Man, they got to find a different drums. Yeah. <laughs> so, Todd, but one question about your beats, though. Like, when you said that you, you had that, those, those drum beats that you used on a lot of records, were you, were you, like, sharing some of your drum beats with, like, drum loops were you sharing that with some of the homies? Like, would you pass an actual disc to? Um, like, I mean, the only person that I would pass disc to was uh, Kenny Dope Gonzalez. I wouldn't. Yeah. Use I feel like Kenny told me a story that he did. Yeah. I'd he told me that you gave him a disc. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think we, so. we was tight with each other because um, that was it. We, I always stayed in a small clique. Like, I, yeah. I, I like, I like 10 people. That's it. You don't need no more. You, they try, you know, you don't need yeah. 30 dudes to come on the stage with you and stuff like that. No, it's like, it's like five at a time. You know, I, I keep a very small clique for yeah. my life, rest of my life. This is yeah. the only motherfuckers I need. I don't need nobody else. Like, this is yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> we can make the world right, you know? But, um, right. And so it was like me, Kenny, and Louie, like, we always kept it tight when it came to sounds and keyboard progressions. And we talked about equipment. We I really wouldn't leak out my beats and snares and drums to everybody because then they would have a bunch of my sounding records out there. I want my records right. to have my sound on it. So yeah. I, I couldn't really do that. I mean, with collabs and stuff now, it's probably a different little story. It's just a different age out there now. But back in the days, hell no, nobody's getting my SP twelve hundred disc. That disc is is worth a million. It's a million dollar right. disc. You know, if you really <laughs> yeah. shit, yeah, you know what I mean. So, Actually, well, sh- sh- should we get into the um, best Chicago story, Armand, that I know you wanted to bring up? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so when you did, Todd, when you did Royal House, um, obviously, like you said earlier in the interview, that in a sense, you weren't necessarily a, a quote-unquote house head or like... Right, 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 right. You were just kind of like somebody played you house and you were like, I got that. And right. Like you said, in a sense, it's kind of... Exactly. By the way, another thing I want to say too is that nobody, by the way, to you sampled in house. Period. Like you were the you brought sampling into house. If you really think about wow. it, wow. Really, nobody. Everybody else was still doing what house is supposed to be. Was was quite serious music, you know, based in church lyrics and whatnot. And it was or just Jack and House, but the Jack and House, the only sampling they would do would be with the voice. Like, you know, like that. They never used used sampled records. They still have a 909 there, Mm -hmm. like a, a, you know, a Casio or something, or, or, you know what I'm saying? And and it would be, they would still be just using MIDI and and no, but not on like an SP1200 or or emulator or anything. Todd really was the first, when I think about it, would actually, when he did Royal House, he was sampling House, like a hip hop. I was, I, was, I was imitating, I was imitating it. Remember, like I said, when my boy brought the, the cassette there, I, I just imitated it. I didn't really care who made it or whatever. I just took parts that I like yeah. and made the records. Yeah. So, like, if you talk about Chicago, what I 
later when I, when I found out who I jacked and stuff like that, yeah, yeah. I felt bad. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, this motherfucker's gonna kill me now. Like, it's like, I, then I started to understand it because I started to understand publishing and like, now you stole somebody's song, you didn't give them nothing for it. Well, like, this was, but this was pre Briz Marquis when you did. Yeah, Briz Marquis was one of the first to get shunned for sampling. Well, that changed sampling, yeah. but up to that point, sampling yeah. was for game. So yeah. you, were game. Doing, you were just doing what everybody's doing in hip hop. Well, know? hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I was just going for it. You know, yeah. I, I didn't care, I didn't think about. You know, but then, you know, what opened my eyes is I got jacked, you know, like with Rob Bass, you know, and stuff like everybody started jacking me. So now it's a different story. Uh, I jacked them. Everybody jacked me. And now I'm sitting there going, oh, shit, she got all that publishing from all that shit. That's what I'm thinking now. And so my, my Jew brain came up because Alan Stephen used to always say, you need to have a Jew brain. Real, no, real talk. You know, I keep a, a Jew lawyer and a Jew accountant with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's the way it is. Because if you don't follow that path, you're out of business. I don't care who you are. I don't care. No. You know, no offense to black and Spanish lawyers and stuff. I'm not using you. Sorry. <laughs> you a Jew for life. Because it's just, it's a, it's a mentality of how to, how to keep your money and know what to, how to keep it and know what to do with it. That's why, you know, they call me the black... Jew sometime. I don't care. It's the right way to, to be when it comes to your business and your money. It's all seriousness. It's, it's just okay. the, way, the way it's got to be. So, you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. You got to keep that. You got to keep that mentality. Unless you're not going to make it in this business. Yeah. So the Chicago guys, um, when you had made Royal House, you had told me that obviously. So here's the here's here's the I don't have 100 percent of the story. I've been making house music my whole career. I'm sure you, and Todd, it's even before <laughs> me. What's weird is the house actual house music history is still a, quite the mystery because originally supposedly is from New York with Boyd Jarvis and Paul Simpson doing Serious Intention and Colonel Abrams. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then that went Chicago loved the sound, but they went to the B sides of the record. Chicago yeah. loved the sound, and Ron Hardy and all these guys were playing these New York records. But then Chicago somehow figured out their way of it and made out made their records, early tracks and um, DJ International stuff. And they their sound wasn't as polished as the New York sound. It right. made it not. It made it like kind of dope because it wasn't yeah. polished up. It wasn't it's, perfect. It wasn't perfect. No, it wasn't perfect, but it made it really dope. And so, but really, but I'm just going to get to the point is that at that point, Chicago really coined the term. They, they, New York, New York was just doing this sound. They didn't have a name for it. It was club music. So, right. it's club. Yeah, yeah it's just called club music. And then Chicago coined the term house, but I almost want to say the British helped or something because you know how right. they are. But the, then it blew up. But then you, what happened at the time in New York, I feel like there, up to, I mean, there really wasn't anybody making house music because Chicago owned it. So really, right. I would want to say you in 88, when you did Party People, like you said, almost as like a joke to your friend, single-handedly brought brought now a new branch into house music where it was called New York City House. You right. Know, right, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it was like Kenny Dope started to make house, then uh, Joey Beltram and Bobby Condors and... Right. How Joey and Louis Vega and just, you know, all the Wayne Gardner, all the, it, there really wasn't, up, I feel, I'm not 100% right, but I would feel like there really wasn't anybody really making house in New York until you made Royal House. Correct? I, I think that I, I, I got lucky with the era of it, yeah. you yeah. know, and then the other thing that I got lucky with was the money of it. 
I was able to make these records because I had the money to do it. Yeah. You understand? So I was getting paid that I would go right back in the studio. I wasn't paying bills or anything. I would just take that three grand and go make a record and make 10 grand off of that. And I would just build up. So I had probably more money to promote and do more than everybody else at that time to make the error explode, you know? And, and, and then I, you gotta realize I was, I, was, I was doing crazy shit. So like the radio guy on the radio station, I used to wait outside the radio station for him. Yeah. Tell him, yo, you need to play my shit. <laughs> no, seriously. Yo, I didn't do it. Look, I, look, I ran up on guys that you wouldn't believe. Like, I didn't, I mean, not technically saying Frankie Crocker, but I did have a talk with Frankie Crocker. Like, yo, I need some of my shit on your show. And he was like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I do house music. I got a bunch of shit out. You know, I'm going to see you my stuff. I, was, I would like you to get on your show, do some records, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, okay. And believe it or not, Sooner or later, a couple of those DJs used to play my stuff on black radio after hours. But it's because right. I said something to them. So some, somehow, sometimes you do got to bother some people. You know, you got to bother the radio guy, a yeah. the guy that has the hot show at the time. So, you know, that's what I was doing. I definitely was, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say I was gangstering it at the time, but I was kind of was in a weird way to get my shit played. That feels the other. <laughs> Yeah, thinking about that too. If anything, to finish up, maybe we should just do the Jay Z stories. It's you know, we've heard about it. So what's what's the what's the story there? All right, so the Jay Z story. All right, here we go. Um, we go. He's on this label, um, Freeze Records with this, with the, um, with Will Sokoloff. He used to own Sleeping Bag Records with Juggy Gales and Ron Resnick. And um, we decided to do this freeze label. I was doing a lot of other labels at the time. I was working with Strictly Rhythm. I had Illegal Records. Um, I had, you know, a bunch of labels just out there. I was just a big old mess. Gypsy man. Started to do the freeze, a big old mess. I was just a mess with it. I didn't even... <laughs> so we did the freeze record thing. And, you know, we put out Samba and jumping, you know, a bunch of those records. And then we decided to do hip hop because that's what Will, Will was really good at doing hip hop. He just knew mm-hmm. how to do hip hop. That's what Will Sokoloff was good at. Well, Will, Will Sokoloff's from Fresh. From Fresh from Fresh and Sleeping Bag Records. Yeah, he used to own those, those labels. Uh, along with um, Juggy Gales and Ron Resnick, which there's tons of other stories with that as well. <laughs> we, we could go that. That was my Jew connection. We had that shit locked up. <laughs> we understood each other. You know, we just, that's why they liked me. They was like, you get us. And I said, yeah. You <laughs> we, we want this money. Like, we want this money and we want to own everything. Just, that's, that's how it's got to be. That's how it's got to be. That's business. That's business. Anyway, so, um, we started doing hip hop. We started putting out some hip hop tracks. We put out um, Frankie Cutlass, Puerto Rico. We put out Jack. Oh, you know, we was, I was signing all the rap groups. They used to all come up to Children of the Corn, Tragedy. You know, I had all of them come up to me, play me stuff and stuff like that. Um, that's wow. a, group, a group with Premier come up there and all that stuff. And then we got to um, Rockefeller Records, which this guy named Ray Ray brought Rockefeller Records to us. And um, he played me some of the stuff. And it was, uh, the first person he played me was this girl named Roughness. Okay. He played me and he says, yo, this is the first single they want to put out through your system, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm listening to it. She sounded dope. She was kind of like, uh, um, what's the girl, um, Rage, that Dre just put yeah. out. 
Lady of Rage. Kind of like that. She had that kind of swagger, that whole type of mentality and everything like that. And then they played me, um, they played me Jay. They played Dead Presidents. And uh-huh. then wow. Then, oh, and then, I, you know, I, I took the cassette. I was listening to it. I played for a couple of my friends. And um, it was like, yeah, the roughness track is dope. It's dope. Blah, blah, blah. And they played, I played the Jay-Z tracks. You know, this is my boys in the neighborhood, whatever. Mm. And it's like, oh, shit. So, yeah, this is good, but this is like some wannabe Nas nigga. <laughs> wow. I was like, oh man, it's kind of dope. Like, you know, you don't think he, I like what he's saying in the like, short yeah, man. Because everybody was Nas. That was it. The whole block was Nas. That was it. Uh-huh. What you say, you wasn't like Nas, just don't, don't, don't show up to the block. That was it. That was the end of it. It was like Nas and Gray and just certain shit like that. And um, and I went back to the label and I said that I spoke to them and I was just like, Look, I think that we should put the J record out first. I think it has more potential to just get right in the pocket of getting, you know, some radio play on late night radio and stuff like that. And, you know, all Flex and all these guys to play this shit real quick. You know, it has that flavor. It fits right in with the Notch mm. and Large Professor and everything that's going on at the particular time. And is this, sorry, is it, this would have, like, Jay didn't have any other record deal yet, right? No, no, it was just, it was just him and Dane and, and Mo. With Rockefeller, but wasn't right. what about with was Payday after Freeze the Payday releases that he did? Uh, payday, I don't remember the Payday. Payday, payday put out in my lifetime the, the single. Maybe yeah, maybe they put that out. That's strange. I don't know if they put that out first or that was after. Okay, must have been before. But famously, famously, no bigger labels would sign them. No, no one would give them. No, they, they look like my boy said they was he was called a non a Nas wannabe. Right. That, that's what came up. Oh, another nigga that sounds like Nas. That was the, the lingo. That's what they were saying. Okay. And, you know, you got to realize there was tons of dudes that sounded like that. Of course. Yeah. Okay. You know, you DJ from back then, so you know what it yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. um, we was pushing it. Right? And we just got this deal with um, what, was the record called? what was the exact record call with Jake? Of Dead Presidents. Oh, you're talking about which record you talking about? Dead Presidents. Presidents. Oh, you're talking about Dead Presidents, sorry. Yeah, Dead Presidents yeah. was, oh, sorry, was sorry. the first one we put out through Freeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Priority. Yeah. Right, cool. records, we had this deal with Priority where they gave us some money and we was going to be a bigger label. We started doing the rap stuff and stuff like that. But at that particular time, we owed Priority more than what we had. Mm-hmm. Just to put that out there, because that's part of the story right there. And um, I wanted to push the J record... And finally, I got convinced everybody, let's do the J record. And we was dis- distributing a Rockefeller records. That was the deal, to distribute mm-hmm. them. And we had to pay them within 45 and 60 days of whatever we put out. All right, and um, Jacobson, Jacobson Robinson was the lawyer at that time. So he did some quick paperwork. We got the shit, we started getting the shit ready to go. But I feel as though they needed a B-side. I said, look, not for nothing, and nobody's going to give me the credit for this. Let me, let me remind you. Nobody's going to give me the credit for this. But if you listen to what I say, it makes sense. I say, for the B-side, you should try something that's more pop. That's what mm-hmm. I said. Something that just maybe has a city hook or something that's just, you know, a little bit different than what's out there so you could get something that's a little bit different play than what everybody else is getting. Because all you're going to get is late night radio on Dead Presidents. And it was like, oh, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's fussing me out of the shit. Anyway, they came back with Ain't No Nigga. Mm-hmm. That was the B-side to Dead President. Yep. We put the record out. Dead President started getting blasted on radio, blah, blah, blah. I started calling up my radio buddies and 
Seattle and stuff like that online. I had like a little bit of a reputation with some of the, the DJs. Like, oh, what up, Todd? I got this new record. Check this out. Can you play it real quick? I was doing some of the calls myself. Wow, like, yeah. Like my key five guys, six guys, you know, Charles Dixon, mm-hmm. certain guys that had little radio, at radio shows, they could probably play this to begin their set. So they was just like, oh, yeah, you know, it's kind of, you know, sounds like what's out there. And we, you know, so they started giving it play. But then some of the DJs will start flipping it over. was killing Ain't No Nigga because it had the seven minutes of funk record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mind you, we didn't clear none of these samples. Mm-hmm. Record came All of a sudden, Ain't No Nigga blew up. Out of the box, everything, blah, blah. Down the streets are screaming out Jay-Z, blah, blah, blah. Because Jay, on that record, he had Jazz O. So everybody remember Jazz O from Hawaiian Sophie? And the talk started happening. Oh, you're the new cast out. He's working with Jazz O, da, da, da. You know, the talk started going, blah, blah, So Jay started to get loved, and he started hanging with Biggie, and, you know, and the whole <laughs> thing came into the thing. Then the video came out, and it blew up. And before we know it, we had 300,000 300, copies sold. Some shit wow. like that, close to three hundred thousand, which was certified gold. You know, two fifty was gold at the time at R R I A A at the time, whatever like this. So we just like surpassed it and stuff like that. And shit started booming, started happening, started getting better and better. So then they brought me um, uh, Ray Ray at the time, brought me the album. So he's playing the album and it had all the dope cuts on it, all the dopes. But I was still like, yo, I got. We still we don't have the cell, the big cell record. We don't have the one that can, you know, you can get radio play with and stuff like that. And yo, Dave, I remember Dave was like, you don't know what you fucking talk, talking about. Stick, stick to that house music shit. And I was like, <laughs> yo, I said, yo, my nigga, like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm trying to just give you a, a pop side to it. I said, look, let me tell you something about record business that I learned. It's, it's five for them and it's five for us. We got to give the five for them first. We got to get on radio first. And we can have our street shit you could drive your fucking car around the block all you want in your neighborhood, but that ain't gonna make you fucking money. Like I'm teaching it, I'm telling them what I'm learning. Yeah. What I learned in the, the, the five or six years I was in the business making money. I'm trying to teach yeah. them. You need a pop record. I don't care yeah. who the hell you are. You need a pop record. It needs to be yeah. pop you love by demand. You know. So me and Dan used to always go at the fighter because Dan always was, was a pop shit type of like, yeah, nigga, blah, blah, blah. Like, fuck you, dude. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you couldn't do that with me. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> there was always a constant fight because you got to realize in the office at the time, I'm the one who was pulling up in the car with the girls. Mm-hmm. I pulled up first with the Bentley <laughs> BMW and the bitches in the car. So they was probably mad at my ass. You know, they say, you know, they always say, I had a bad ass. I remember those days well. Yeah, right? I used to pull up to the club with the Bentley. Not, not, very, 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 you know that shit. They didn't have that money at that time I had it. And, you know, I was just, you know, and I was a little cocky and showing off and all that shit and popping shit. Like, I, I, you know, my shit didn't stink. So I, I did everything that everybody else did in this business. Like, fuck it. Mm-hmm. And um, as it went down the line, you know, they bring the ball records. They had this record with Mary J. On, uh, on that album. And they brought the record to me and they playing me the record. I was like, oh, good, man. So when she sings it over, <laughs> I said, when she fixes it and sings it over, it'll be good. You gotta imagine that I'm, I'm in the office with, this is me popping shit with like 11 niggas in the office. Like yeah. the whole Rockefeller. And they're like, look at me like, they're like, nigga, what are you talking about? This shit is dope. I say, yo, this motherfucker's off key, son. Like, you got to... <laughs> you know, 
And you got to fix the vocal. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. Like, I'm trying to just help out the situation. And, man, you don't know what you're talking about. So these niggas were just getting in fights with me. They just wanted to fight, yeah. get, get mad at me because I said something. And I'm always popping shit. I said, dude, I'm not against you. Uh, I'm just saying that the vocal's a little bit off-key. You got to fix it. Like, man, fix shit. Man, you don't know what you're talking about. I said, all right, first. Y'all do you. I'm, I'm out of this. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll make, you know, work it the way it's got to be worked. And that was Can't Knock the Hustle, right? Yes, Can't Knock the Hustle. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, today, if you listen to the record, it's still all key. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. You know, you can get mad at me all you want. It's all key. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Whatever. Yeah. So anyway, the album comes out. Album's big seller. Jay's all over the place. We're doing uh, the did Ain't No Nigga video and stuff like that. They come in there and they got like $60,000 off of us for the videos. The first thing I'm saying to them is like, Yo, y'all are spending too much money on these videos. And I mean, Dame was right at the time. He says, yo, but we, we got to compete with what's out there. We got to compete with Puff and Big. You know, they're spending $600,000 on their videos and stuff like that. I said, yo, but we don't have that money in the budget. But yo, you just got a gold record from us. That's um, $700,000 that you owe us and stuff like that. And I said, dude, well, we didn't get all that money in yet. So this is where the problem started. Like, so we ended up like, I don't know, giving them 145 or $165,000, $165,000. And they, we couldn't re-up the money because we owe priority money. Priority was yeah. cross-collateralized, collateralized, I can't even say that word. They was cross, crossing everybody's money with Jay's money. For sure, yep. You understand? Because we had a deal, a deal through them. And we As trying, a label, yeah. So we was trying to just float it through and get them their money. Yeah. That was my main yeah. thing. So every now and then, I, I was in, I was literally at Freeze throwing forty thousand dollars into the account just to mm-hmm. keep shit alive. Payroll mm-hmm. was five thousand dollars a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that that money was was booming. My lawyer's like, "Yo, you got to figure this shit out. What are you doing?" I was like, "I'm trying to keep the label alive. I got a gold record. I got a, a big artist out there. You know, I'm trying to keep the shit alive. You know, so I, and I was making money doing remixing. So I was doing probably sixty, seventy thousand dollars a month from remixing, but." the money was going back into freeze. Yep. So, Jay's the biggest shit ever. I go to Soul Kitchen. I don't remember DJ Frankie. Yes. Soul Kitchen. It was at, they did it at Spa. Remember that, the, I'm on? We used to go to Soul Kitchen. Yep. And um, I'm hanging out there, you know, nobody's talking to me because everybody hates me back then. <laughs> and Dame is hanging out with Russell Simmons. Uh-huh. And I'm taking deep breaths, and like now I'm like, ah, Russell's up to something. <laughs> Russell's up to something. Because I know Russell from back in the days, too. He probably act like he don't know me, but I know Russell from back in the day. And I see him talking, blah, blah, blah. And I see Russell literally, and I'm not imagining things, pull out his motherfucking checkbook. And I think they, I don't know if they wanted me to really see it, but it's kind of like <clears throat> five days later, they was out of that contract. Yeah out of the fucking contract. Couldn't do nothing about it. You know, we didn't pay within the 60 days. The money was owed and stuff like that. And um, I mean, long story short, you know, I ran into Dame after the whole shit was over. It was at some club or whatever. Matter of fact, it was in the the club that night that Jay stabbed Un. I was Mm. there. Wow. I saw him there. I saw him there. (laughs) And um, what happened was, uh, you know, Dame was like, yeah, what's up, man? You still robbing niggas? I was like, yo, Dame, I didn't rob you, son. Like, I didn't rob you, you know? 
I, I wouldn't rob you, man. If anything, I was trying to get you guys paid much as I could. We was in a tight situation. We explained that to you. We were like, we heard about you. All you do is just rob everybody in LA. I said, dude, I think you should pipe it down, son. <laughs> now you, 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 you're going past the envelope. Whatever. So we never got along the same way that we used to. Because we used to hang a little bit, but we, you know, it just got a little crazy and stuff like that. So that's the Jay story. That's how we lost Jay. We lost Jay due to priority records, due to Brian Turner and Shaq. You know, they, they just, when we needed the money with the big artists, they didn't, they didn't fund us. Yeah. But they would have funded us. We would have still had Jay. It wasn't for $300,000. Right. They, they didn't have the vision right. to look at your situation and say, hey, if we bend the, the, you know, break the contract rules a bit and float more money now, we could keep an artist who's going to be this is bigger than anything. Really big yeah. and, and it was very clicky back then. So if Jay's hanging out with Big and Foxy and all that type of stuff, all those artists sell. Yes. Yeah, they all have a, a, a good way of selling and be on each and each everybody's each on each other's album and stuff like that it flows you understand yeah. so you have to see that vision of this artist is going to have six albums of money. Yeah. not just yeah. one album of money and um it, it's, it's crazy All right, and I'll, I'll give you another funny story about Jay so Jay told uh, Dave one time to come and tell us that this is the last album he's doing he's only doing one album right I was like <laughs> I said, Jay, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, Jay's not, y'all better do the best you can on this album because it's the only album he's ever doing in his life. <laughs> I said, why would he do that? You know, just, we got a gold single, we got a gold album. What are you talking about? He's not doing no more album. Yeah, because he wants to be recognized as like the one of the realest niggas out there. He don't need to do another album and stuff like that. I said, y'all are fucking crazy, bro. Like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Like, are you serious? Like, you know, that, that was a real conversation. I was like, what I've heard about that. Like, how are you going to do that stuff? So, you know, that's the story there. You know, Dame may change the story a little bit. <laughs> he changes it. That's my story. You know what I mean? It's quite a story. Yeah, it's a real, real shit, man. It's, it's just. Nah, but it's, you know, as even myself running a label for many years too, I definitely know that situation where, you know, because of the cross collateralized thing, yeah. cash flow gets tight. Yeah, so like what we we already when we got Jay, we already owed four hundred and seventy grand. Right. And we yo, let me tell you a quick tax story. Um, we had to pay taxes. Um, it was like one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. You know, it's like a lot of money to pop out on checks. Yep. You know, like, yeah. I don't care how rich you are, one hundred sixty thousand dollars still looks like it's still a lot of money to you. You know. Yep. But, um, you know, I remember the I'm, real quick story. I remember the um, tax guy came to our office and went through our books right then and there. Like, wow. Sitting there, he was there every day. It's tight little bow tie and everything. Suit. And he, um, I remember trying to hang out with him and try to talk to him. What's up, man? You want a soda or something? You know, to <laughs> he, was so, he, was, he was like a fucking arrow, dude. <laughs> 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 you said you want a soda? <laughs> I try to get, you know, try to get a discount or something. You know, and, he was like, and I was like, so what happens with people and taxes and stuff like that? He goes, and this is real talk. He goes, well, you know, people just create and I destroy. Wow. And I backed off from him. I just, you yep. I guess you don't want the soda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not going to your nerves. Yeah. Please. That's what you got to do. Yep. So there you go. Those I mean, are some of the stories. Some of the stories. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I know you could go on. Yeah. Yeah. Travel through time. Travel through time. I was just telling him when you when you had that technical thing, you know, before I was telling him, I was like, dude, I was like, we could go with, we could do a Todd thing for a long Dude, I got 10 hours of shit I can <laughs> pull out hell with you. This is so we, we didn't even talk about, we didn't even talk about girls yet. We didn't get to that. Dude, how messy that could have been. How messy that is. Uh, no. You know, we just have we have so we have like just the conversations me and you have had where me and you just don't get getting a bite somewhere. Yeah, I'm like man, it's like I, it's crazy, and you know, Giorgio, son, you've had a, a decorated career is an understatement. I mean, for you to come from the worlds that you've come from, think about it. Like you, mm-hmm. you have your hand, your fingers in every pot. <laughs> I did. Every I did. style of music pot. Latin world, everything. Freestyle. Yeah, freestyle. He did early, like, you know, mid-80s rap. I mean, yeah. and, 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 and it's like, you did like, you did like, the what was that Booming in the Jeep record? Or Booming not? in the Jeep with Kenny and everything. Yeah, like, Shaggy. We had Shaggy signed to us. We had Capleton signed to us. Yeah. You had Shaggy signed to you? Yeah. yeah. Boombastic was out through, it was through Freeze. Wow. Signet Records. Yeah. And then it's like, then you have this. No, not Boombastic. No, Old Carolina. Sorry. Old yeah. Carolina. Okay. Then you have this massive house music career that's like the reason why house music almost really is propelled and become a, almost like house. Now I look at it like when I go to like a, a Spotify or iTunes chart, no. it's half 808 rap, right? And then the other half is basically house music in origin. Yeah. It's not really house music. It's kind of just kind of now just pop, but yeah. it's still like. Where does this music come from? It comes from like Todd in Chicago and all this stuff. And it's like, it's great. And so when you think about it, Todd Terry, literally, it's like you've done every form of music. I'd say the only thing you really didn't dabble in was R&B. <laughs> I think yeah, you know, I, see, R, see, R&B was always tough to me. It's too moist to me. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. it's not moist. Like, every time I think about R&B, I think about a Jerry Curl and the guy singing. I yes, guess. ready for the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That, that's him. But Alice Hill. By the way, Todd also did a drum and bass album. I mean, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dabbled in that too. By the way, Blackout, that was a dope track. Black, yeah, I got a double four record out. I was so I was just happy to break out of the box of house music and do something different and still get a charted record. Yeah. That's, and, and get picked up by Goldie and, and Groove Rider and all of them. They're like, yo, mm-hmm. son, yeah. you nailed it. Like yeah. I was like, right. you know, that's, that's like cool. a, it's, it's it's like a ghetto. Feeling of relief. <laughs> like, like, well, Todd, Todd, you're 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 our hero. Thank you, brother. Yep. You guys, yep. you guys are my heroes for keeping the movement going in a in a certain way in a certain way of looking at it. So you guys look at it at, in a good perspective. You know, Armand, you always looked at it as a in a good perspective. Never looked at it like I'm just gonna take and not give. You know, you, you always you you gave back the sound and kept the, the essence. That was you know that was the key to me. You always made funk out of junk. Think about it. We make, you make music out of warp sounds and weird shit. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's dude, a everything I picked up is from, dude, you put a toilet flush in Royal House. There's <laughs> 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 a toilet flush near the end of like, yeah, buddy, or something on them tracks, right? Or, Thanks, man. Much respect to y'all, man. I mean, yeah. much respect, man. But I enjoyed this, man. Let's do this again. <laughs> yep. Todd, thank you. Eight track, my number one scratcher. <laughs> no, but I saw eight track. Eight track had this thing online where he was cutting shit up and he was smiling and just like nasty. At it. I was like, damn. <laughs> he's like, 
looking, looking back at the camera like, what, motherfucker? You know I'm right. You know I'm right. <laughs> I was like, wow, this kid is nasty. So, you know, you killed that night. I, I don't know what. You cut through, like you. six records, but you just killed every record. Like the whole thing was to perfection. That's one thing, you know, you tell me, me and Armand, we, we like the perfection. We like the mm. thought of it being really precise. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Like it's and you 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 do that. Yeah, You're not cool. sloppy. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's big respect. I, I respect that because I know you was in the house for many years getting <laughs> <laughs> that shit right. So yeah, that's his perfection. So I love it. I definitely love thank it. you. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank, thanks for doing this. Oh, definitely, man. Let's do it again, man. Definitely, thanks. Man. All right, cool. We, Todd, you, I miss you, man. We got to catch up again. Yeah, we got to catch up, man. I wish we... This, we Hopefully can't. Miami. Hopefully you know Miami stick and we'll end up in Miami. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. That's right. Yeah, let me know. If you're here, you hit me up. We, we, we're doing it. Definitely hand, brother. Put the mask on. Mask. <laughs> Full mask. Cool. All right, y'all. All right, cool. Thanks. Peace. Brother, many people step in front of 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 many people step in front of